You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know, he's aggressive, like uh, every Bradley, you know, they, they, they're really good defenders on the ball. Um, you know, I kind of like that because then give me, if they're too aggressive, they give me a chance to drive it. And I did that in the first, first half, um, you know, in the second half I was a little bit out of gas, <laughs> couldn't, couldn't move anymore so, so fast, but, um, you know. Um, that, that's always nice to have these kind of players in your team. Well, if I'm honest, uh, I was a little bit surprised, um, especially because uh, you know I asked for the trade. So, um, um, but you know that's that's the that's the NBA goes. You know it's a business. So it, um, I think so that um, like I talked with Zach, he's happy here. You know he was a great teammate. Um, uh, we had a good relationship. Unfortunately, we had three point guards at the same position, so and only one ball. So it's kind of hard to 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 satisfy everybody. Celtics fall 93-86 in a crucial battle in the standings. We're gonna break it down here, and then we're gonna be joined by ESPN's Amin El Hassan for the second part of the show. This is the Garden Report presented by Lynda.com and Peak Organic Brewing on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Jared Weiss, I'm here with Julian Edlow. Welcome to the program. This is the Garden Report. We have only got five regular season games left after this one. So, yeah, I counted. Okay. It's correct. Um, I hope it's correct. And uh, we're going to talk about this game that happened here tonight as the Celtics we almost are. pulled off a comeback with their second, you could even say third unit, against the Miami Heat here, who are just ahead of them in the standings. It was a pretty fascinating night in that it was pretty hideous and then got kind of exciting but not really pretty uh, at the end of the game. Uh, we are brought to you by lynda.com, one of the best resources online for learning whatever you want to learn, whether it's learning about cameras, learning about how to be a good friend of Julian. I mean, whatever you need to know, you can find it on lynda.com. And of course, our drink sponsors, Peak Organic Brewing, who make wonderful beer. It's brewed up in Portland, Maine. It's used, I think they actually even use hops grown locally in Maine. Uh, and the beer is fantastic. Learn something new every you day. You can get it pretty much anywhere in town here. I actually found out that Alton and Harlow, one of the best new restaurants right down the street from my uh, house, actually also has it there. So I'm gonna go get a drink there uh, after tonight's show. So let's talk about <laughs> this game. Of course you so, are. So now that we talked about the sponsors. Um, and of course, Amin El Hassan from ESPN is gonna be joining us for part two of the show. We already recorded that, so we're Keep watching. I mean, will be was, on the show. It was an amazing conversation. You don't have to have just watch to us. Around for that. So, <laughs> talking about this game here. So the Celtics go with a lineup. 
pretty much of Crowder, Jarebko, and then you have Pressy and Smart in the backcourt. And then they kind of mix it up about who was in there with them. Uh, but uh, Datomi got some minutes there. And Gigi had some big plays. He had a couple threes, which was great. Yep. He was, of course, diving all over the place. His Brad bun Stevens intact, called him the best shooter on the team. Which kind of surprised me a little bit there. But I guess me. when you think about it, it's, it really, there's... there's sure, Gigi Datomi is the best shooter on the Celtics. Gigi Datomi is not a good shooter. That doesn't mean he's not the best shooter on this team because this team doesn't really have any good shooters right now. And that's not including Isaiah Thomas, who is super rusty in this game. We'll talk about yeah. that uh, before we wrap this part up. But so so they go with this weird lineup here. It's really kind of a combination of their second and even third rotations here. And they did that because the first unit was garbage tonight. They were they, brutal. They were getting they were down by 20 at one I think at one point in this game 22 was the biggest lead yep. for the Heat here. They were they didn't show up to play. And that's the Heat the Heat came in without Dwayne Wade, without Hassan Whiteside. They're two players that are playing at all NBA levels pretty much in the past month or so. And they came in off for the loss, a crucial loss, too. And the Celtics said they talked about that. You know, watch out. Don't underestimate the Heat. Wade's not playing. Whiteside's not playing. And that's exactly what they came out and did for two and a half, three quarters. Isaiah Thomas was clearly rusty, even though he's not a starter. He's a bench player, technically. But as, you know, the best player on the team, very rusty coming back from that injury. Obviously was not himself. He said he didn't have his legs under him. He hasn't been doing his conditioning the last two weeks. He said he will be better Friday. But... For tonight, obviously he was not, and the starters did not play well either. So, you know, we deserved that fourth quarter after, you know, struggling through those first three quarters, watching the product that the Celtics were putting out there in arguably the biggest game of the year. This is the eighth seed versus the seventh seed, not much time left. You know, this is a game that has a lot to do with the Celtics making a playoff berth, and they came out completely flat. So. It was good to see some of the players come out with that heart in the fourth quarter and, you know, get it going. They just got it going too late, and it was unfortunate. If the, if the game's two minutes longer, maybe they, maybe they get it, but it's 48 minutes, not 50. And the thing is, you're looking at their starting lineup. They had four of the five guys in their starting lineup that basically weren't really a part of that fourth quarter stretch run. Smart being the only one. Smart offensively challenged tonight. He really has been a he lot was, of the he, season. He went one for eight tonight. That was This isn't going to be my box, but Marcus Smart, one for eight, led the team in minutes, 29 over 29 minutes. How does someone play 29 minutes crazy, and leave the right? team in minutes? It's crazy, right? Um, in, I was going to say this for boxing out. We'll get to that in a second because we're going to get that out of the way before part two. They took 37 free throws tonight, which is a huge number. That's huge. They don't get really even remotely close to that on most Shot nights. Shot 67%. But they couldn't, hit, they couldn't hit them. And Miami wasn't good from the line either. But Miami the Celtics, 69%. I mean, if they shot 79% even, which is respectable, they could have gotten pretty much right up against Miami there. That would have been good for about seven points or so. So, I mean, that those are the kind of opportunities that they missed tonight. They missed a lot of – they gave up some crucial offensive rebounds. Udonis Haslam, who will be my baller of the night, which I just – Spoiled. Spoiler uh, alert. He, he, uh, alert. Uh, he was huge coming up for this team in the fourth quarter. Drew a really important foul on Jay Crowder, I want to say. Yep. I mean, the Celtics, they hustled their butts off, but Miami outplayed them, outsmarted them, and was just in control well, of this game. I mean, Miami outplayed them for three quarters. I'm sorry, you, outplayed, them, outplayed their butts off in the fourth quarter. If, if you want to talk about the fourth quarter, until the Celtics started fouling the Heat at the end, Miami had eight points in the fourth quarter, and they – that speaks to how bad the Celtics were in the first three quarters. The Heat still got the win by, you know, seven points. So that's not good. Brad Stevens said 
you know, this loss angers him more than the Detroit loss because, hey, they had a chance in the Detroit game, but they played, they competed. When you don't play the first two and a half quarters, you know, you're, leave, you're leaving a lot on the table when it comes to trying to get a huge win tonight. So, you know, ha as you said, Haslam was great. The Heat, you know, had uh, Dragic was fantastic in the first half, and then they really started to contain him. But you can't win basketball games by playing, you know, however many minutes, 24, 28, 30 minutes. You got to play 48 minutes. Yeah, the funny thing is I thought Dragic was kind of a mess in the fourth quarter. He kept driving, getting jump balls, all sorts of stuff. I think he got away with one he got mm -hmm. one foul call for him. But Miami did all they could to give that game away, and they did the same thing against Milwaukee the night before where they couldn't score at all in the fourth quarter. <laughs> they, they only did, combined the for The Celtics were so bad yeah. at the beginning that they could try as hard as they want to give it away, and they couldn't. Okay, so before we run through box and ball, which you pretty much already did anyway, Isaiah Thomas looked Super duper rusty tonight. Yep. Uh, I walked out behind him out of the locker room after the game. He was limping. Yeah, he was. He, he had a noticeable gimp. He was really favoring his right leg there. Uh, that obviously explains why he couldn't shoot the ball, why he wasn't playing that well, why his dribbling was pretty bad. I, mm -hmm. I don't know how many turnovers he had. He only he had three turnovers in 20 minutes, which isn't good. One that I really remember was late in the second quarter. He tried to do a crossover, just getting guarded by Tyler Johnson, and Tyler Johnson almost laughed at him as he swiped the <laughs> yeah. ball away. Isaiah Thomas's crossovers usually you know make children cry they're so dangerous so um he clearly was not himself tonight seeing him limp off the court tonight doesn't make you too hopeful that he's going to be able to really go on friday he might play through it on friday but he's probably not going to look sure he's going to play play through it but sure but the biggest issue for him is he he isn't really jumping really well right now well, so his shot looks terrible because he gets a lot of elevation on the shot that's a power that's where he gets the power he needs and that's what he talked about after the game isaiah told us that you know he he doesn't want to chalk this up to any excuses, but he felt he didn't have his legs under him. You look at the box score, 2 for 7, 0 for 3 from downtown, 0 for 3 from the free throw line. You got you to gotta buy it. You got to believe him. His legs weren't there, but, you know, Brad Stevens needs them to come back if this team's going to make this playoff push. So, like you said, we'll, we'll see. Friday, you know, he probably won't be himself, but... You can hope for some improvement and, you know, maybe by Sunday when the Clippers get here, he can start to work himself back in. That's going to be a tough matchup with Chris Paul, but they're going to need him back eventually. Okay, so uh, really quickly here before we go, uh, box and ball. For me, my sad of the night is also my baller of the night, Udonis Haslam, who wasn't really going to even play in this game, <laughs> right. kind of had to. Then he played 38 minutes and had a 12-12 and 12 game. And I've been, I'm biased because I've been it's a Udonis. lot more than a DNP. Uh, yeah, it's a lot more. I've been a Haslam fan forever, ever since he was in Florida. I love the way that he oh, he is overachieved beyond comprehension in the NBA, and he continues to do so even at the ripe old age of, what is he, 34, 35 now? He's getting up there a little bit. I have no bit. clue how uh, old Udonis Haslam is. I don't think, think Udonis has any clue. So, <laughs> anyway. Geezer. Uh, Phil Pressey, baller of the night. We talked about it. He came in. He sparked that run that got the Celtics going, got him back in the game. You know, only 18 minutes, but 11 points, five rebounds, six assists, a steal, shot four of six. He played great defense that Isaiah Thomas could not play with his injury. Phil Pressey was the spark plug that got the Celtics back into the game. Couldn't get him all the way there, but he had a lot to do with it. Box, five technical fouls tonight. No LeBron James, no Dwayne Wade, no Paul Pierce, no Kevin Garnett. Heat and the Celtics still do not like each other, and it was very evident in this game.
I love that Go that figure. continues no matter who's on the court. I think Mario Chalmers might be the continuous factor <laughs> there. It's obviously uh, Mario Chalmers. I was kind of waiting for D.O.A. to like run on the court and body slam Phil Pressy or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad that never happened. Uh, so we're going to come back for part two here, and we're going to sit down with Amin Hassan from ESPN and True Hoop and SportsCenter and Twitter and Hashtag Hate Heart and all that stuff. It was an amazing conversation. I can't wait for you guys to listen, and Julian got to listen, actually, while he and I talk pretty much. I zipped uh, the lip. <laughs> so you're going to enjoy that in part two. Garden we Report. Have, we have Amin here. we got to listen to what he has to exactly. say. Exactly. So Garden Report brought to I never worked for by Linda.com and Purianic Brewing. <laughs> Let me talk about our sponsors on CLNS Radio and Celtics Blog. Body felt good. I think when I fell one time, and uh, it's just all the other things, getting back in the full of things, uh, getting my rhythm back. I just, I wasn't decisive at all. It was tough for them. Probably one of my worst games I've ever played. Uh, it was those guys' game. Those guys deserved to play in the end of that game. I've said that before. Um, you know, and, and uh, we really had, you know, Phil hasn't shot it from three with great percentage. But other than that, we had guys that have made big shots for us or are great shooters. So, um, you know, Marcus didn't shoot well tonight, but he's made big shots in the past. Um, Jay Crowder's made huge shots the whole time he's been here. And then, you know, Gigi's probably the best shooter on our team. We're back for part two, and we are now joined by Amino Hassan from ESPN. You can find him on SportsCenter. You can find him on Troop TV. You can just find him on Twitter. I feel like that's probably the best way to find you. Probably. That's yeah. where everything else gets kind of spread out. Uh -huh. You'll know about all my TV stuff and all my writings and all that. Follow me on Twitter, or you just tweet hashtag hate hard with pretty much anything you want, <laughs> That's and you'll get a response. Pretty more much more lifestyle choice, yeah. Anything else? <laughs> so let's start off with the Eastern Conference here. Uh, the bottom of the East has not really been that pretty this year, and we kind of saw the the worst of that or the best of that tonight. So what did you see tonight? How do you think the bottom of the East is going to play well, out here? It's competitive, and it, it didn't just start tonight. Last night as well, the Heat just came back from losing to the Bucks. The Bucks are a team that for the longest have been kind of comfortable in that six seed, but they're starting to come back down to earth. So we're <laughs> talking about maybe a five-team race for those two spots, and it's going to be ugly and it's going to be gritty and grinding, but... You know, that's better than what happened last year where everybody was kind of just moonwalking their way into the playoffs. So is MCW the least valuable player in the league right now? Uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I would call him an investment in the future for Milwaukee. <laughs> I, I'm Maybe not an investment I would have made, but I get why they did it. He's bringing the Philly system to Milwaukee yeah, exactly. right now. That's what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, the thing is, Milwaukee coming down, that leaves even the sixth seed in play here. I feel like Miami right I mean, right now is a standing sit. Right. Miami's the only team in play for that right now, but things could change. How could, can Milwaukee really lose so much that that could really get vacated? Man, I've talked to a couple of people around the league who think that Milwaukee might end up being the eighth seed when it's all said and done. Jeez. Like, they're falling like that. So, I don't know. I think that's a little drastic. I think that's a little extreme. I think they'll probably end up with the sixth seed just because they have that cushion. And you look at a team, Miami's the closest, as you said. They're yeah. dealing with injuries. Wade didn't play tonight. Whiteside, Whiteside didn't play tonight. Played. You know, and uh, Coach Spoh said that even Haslam could have been a scratch tonight. He was almost yeah. a late scratch, and he basically over really well. And he, yeah. he played really well for him. Yep. So Miami, I mean, for them to be able to fight against their top competitor for their spot right now without all those guys, are they the team that you probably will see having the sixth seed a few months Yeah, I think Milwaukee will be six, Miami will be seven, and eight is a coin flip. Will it be Brooklyn? Will it be the Celtics? Will it be the Charlotte Hornets? three-sided coin yeah. flip. You know. <laughs> will it be the Indiana Pacers who had a big win tonight as well? I mean, which one will it be? 
Uh, I think Indiana's going to end up, yeah. but I'm not, I'm not like, mm, Indiana's, uh, that's it. It could be anybody. If Paul George comes back, you might be able to slam your fist not on the even, table a little not harder. Not even. Really? Uh, I, think, I think when you come down to it like this, there's such a small amount of time. So what we have is 71 games, so 11, 11 games, games left. Yeah. Paul George isn't come out and going to be spectacular from day one. He's yeah. going to have an adjustment period however long it takes him. That's not enough time. He's 11, games. 11 games of rust. Yeah, right. You know, it, well, whatever, however many games it is, it's just not enough time to say, oh yeah, he definitely puts them in that playoff conversation. How many how many game winners does George Hill have to hit before they can really be a bona fide <laughs> playoff to you? I mean, the well, guy has been raining it right now. Yeah, or Chris Middleton for that fact. Oh, yeah. of course, yeah, and that was that was a little bit more spectacular. Yeah. Actually, you know, Chris Middleton's been kind of like the topic du jour around here lately because I know Jackie McMullen ever since Sloan has been pushing for him to be the Celtics' pretty much cornerstone. Uh, I mean, Middleton, he's a good player. Real plus minus Kevin Pelton sat there. It makes him look like one of the top guys in the league. I mean, we've been talking about him being potentially a max guy this summer. Is that something that could happen with Boston? Well, it is, but not because he's a cornerstone player. Real plus minus, even though it controls for home and away, who's playing with me on the court, all those things. At the end of the day, it's still a contextual stat because it's measuring what your impact was in the role I asked you to play. So really extreme example to, to illustrate. If I take Phil Pressey, who had a good night tonight, yep. and I say I'm starting him for 82 games at center. So sorry to hear that. His real plus minus, his real plus minus will probably look awful. Yeah. Is that because he's an awful player? Or is it because he was awful at the role that you asked him to do? Probably the latter. Chris Middleton is, what real plus minus is telling you is that he's great at that role you're asking him to do. What is that role? Depend? knock down threes. Create offense? No. Be a defensive anchor? Be like Andrew Bogut? No. Defend on the perimeter, shoot threes. That's a necessary thing, it's a valuable thing, all those things are correct. Cornerstone? Something different. Now, when you talk about how much he's gonna get paid, that's a different story because of the rising cap. Teams are looking at numbers like 15 million a year. Like, that's, a, that's a steal. I mean, I wouldn't pay Chris Milton $15 million a year, but I valued him at eight a year, and I'm already saying that's too low because of the way the cap is going. So you value him at eight, even the way that he's been playing over the past couple months? If the cap were not going up, if we were looking at a $66 million cap, 68, and you know, this gradual increase, $8 million a year for his next contract was probably what he's worth. Really? Yeah. Because that's lower than I come in around 10 to 11, not factoring for inflation. See, so. the inflation is going to make it get to 11 or 12 yeah, I, like he, I mean, yeah it's gonna keep climbing but I, bidding I, wars I, are gonna get even exponentially if you bigger. sign a guy like if you were here if you sign a guy like that you're setting yourself up to be disappointed because the money sends a message to your fan base to your owner well this guy is really really good and then you get him like, i thought you said this guy was good well he is good <laughs> if he's the batman or the robin to someone and not even robin the he's bat- good at being bruce bowen or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Being that guy. But if you put him in a situation where he has to be a main co- a cornerstone, like Jackie McMullen said, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for disappointment. And to be totally fair, I'm exaggerating what she's saying, what just that she's been bringing him up a lot lately. Yeah. Exaggeration really is a good thing. You got to embrace yeah. it. You got to embrace it. Absolutely. Guys. 
We're all about hyperbole here. Phil right. Pressey will make a great center. I mean, five foot eight is never too short to there be a center. Go. So, okay, so other side, we were talking. I know you today, I've been paying attention to what you've been doing today because I've been bored today. And you've been talking a lot about Steph Curry versus right. Russell Westbrook. So I just want to give you the floor there to talk about which player do you think is more valuable, who's oh. the more outstanding player. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fascinating topic. It's, it's the me, most important topic in the league right it's, now. It's. First of all, it's silly because they're both incredible players. Sure. And any team would die to have either one of them. And uh, But i am always been a guy I lean towards skill and, and feel and IQ and those things. And I'm, I'm biased because I, my basketball education was spent watching Steve Nash play. So in my mind, that's what a star is. That's how you overcome. And even the players that I like around the league are all guys like that. The Marcus Gasols, the Boris Diaz, guys who... Or even you know Duncan and, and and guys like that, they're all kind of cerebral players. I value and admire the cerebral game. To me, Steph Curry is at the top of that list, uh, or in that in that conversation, and that's why I take him over Westbrook. So okay, you gotta get out of here. So last thing, you wrote a great piece on Steve Nash, reflecting right. on your time with Steve Nash. Steve Nash was the first, my first interview in the NBA too. Oh, wow. I could. He was unbelievable. We he sat there on the training bench with a with a Bud Light in his hand for 15 minutes, and we just <laughs> broke down pick and roll attacking. That's and it was, that's probably the, still the coolest thing that's happened yeah. to me in the NBA, besides sitting next to Julian all these times. No, of but what? Tell us something. What's the most important thing to you about Steve Nash? A story that you've had with Steve Nash? Something that's really special that's unique to you and Steve? Oh man, so that you're allowed as, to tell on As camera. far as special and unique to me, I'll, I'll, here's, a, here's, a, here's one I haven't said. I'm giving you guys an exclusive here. Uh, 2007, Perfect. I'm an intern. 06, 07, I'm an intern. And I'm in the locker room, but like literally don't talk to anybody. Keep my head down. I'm, I'm an intern. I don't want to make waves. And so, you know, I'm pretty sure that like guys have seen me, but I don't know. Who, like there's only a couple players who actually know who I am. Roger Bell knew who I was. Leandro Barbosa knew who I was. Most of the other guys, I think, was I was just another face. You know, I, I, like I'm sure here, you, you walk in that locker room, and the guys look and say, yeah, I've seen the guy with the beard before, but like they don't. None of them know my name. Yeah, exactly. Nobody knows us. So I went to All-Star Weekend in Vegas, and GQ threw a party for Steve mm -hmm. in honor of his second MVP, which was the, the prior season. And it was a small private event, and no one else, you know, there was no, I mean, I can't even say there was a list. It was literally either you're in or you're out. And in a very small venue. And I got in because obviously his son's employee and all that stuff. And I walk in and I'm just, hey, I'm just here for a couple of free drinks and, and <laughs> see what I can see. And Steve comes up to me and says, Amin, you made it. And I've never told that story, but it stripped me out. Like, he knows who I am. Like, how does he know who I am? Like, enough to recognize me out of place. Because it's another thing. They recognize you in here. You go anywhere else where they're not used to seeing you. And it's like, uh, I have to wear my name tag. Exactly. Though, yeah. So uh, that was, to me, that was really cool and indicative of the kind of person he was. But uh, to be honest, the thing when I, people ask me, what should we Like, he's just a great competitor and a great teammate. And I think, can't say that enough. And there's not... A lot of guys you can say were great competitors. Not a lot of guys you can say were a great teammate. And, and I think that's really special about it. Or even a great person. Well, a great person too, yeah. but there are a lot of great people in the league. Sure. But great teammates, particularly at the superstar level, sometimes people just put up with what you are because you're so good. And Steve never had that. He never had that. He, people wanted to be around him on and off the court. 
I gotta say, I not quite the same story, but I had that conversation with him. The next year he was in town, I ran into him, said hi, he remembered who I was too. I have no idea how on earth he could possibly remember me. It was the name tag. It must have been <laughs> it, right? So that's it. For uh, for Julian, for myself, I want to thank Amin for coming on the show, man. No that problem. That was a lot of fun. No problem. We'll do it again sometime soon. Definitely. So that's it for the Garden Report. We will see you after Sunday's game. Peace out. Next time we got to get Julian some questions. Oh, that's right. <laughs>